They've discarded Glenn Whelan. I mean, I mean, like, like, I think of Glenn Whelan as like, as, as like this, just, just this comfy chair in the corner that, that sort of, once it's gone, you kind of think, what's happened? What's what, what, what's that? It's, it's, it's almost like a part of your childhood that, that sort of they, that your parents sort of get rid of to like make, make room for the old pair or something. Some, like, what something used to be there, but what was yeah. it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it would lift the spirits of the nation. I don't give a fuck about the nation of Morocco. People's lives are at risk. Oli Gunnar, where would you like the statue? <laughs> it's an absolute disgrace. I refuse to answer that question. We'll take that as a yes then. Take it whatever you want. I don't understand that politics, coronavirus. Why me? I wear a base cap and uh, I have a bad shave. Hello comrades and you're very welcome to the Football Spin, a football spin on a Thursday morning. Paddy McKenna here. So is Dion Fanning, so is Ruben Pinder, so is Nas Chowdhury. And here we are in good old sleepy, boring, close season, close season. Is it close season? Pre-season? Post-season? Um, Dion, anybody anybody have any opinions well, on exactly I what part of the world we're in? Well, it's a very important point, Paddy, because I think you are got to the heart of Soon, soon to be, uh, soon to be revealed, legal battle between Lionel Messi and Barcelona about what stage of a season <laughs> we are in right now during a during a pandemic. Uh, so it's hard to know if we are uh, post season, close season, pre season, uh, or season, because um, they all seem they are all actually taking place simultaneously. Um, uh, in various, you know, in various competitions. So if you are, uh, you know, the, the, we, we know the Champions League, uh, both, you know, the one, the 2021 Champions League started before the 2020 Champions League ended. So what season was that in? Um, Community mm-hmm. Shield is on this weekend. Uh, French League's big back. So between... Between Monday and Friday, were, were, were French footballers in post-season, close-season, or pre-season? Or all three? It was Monday, Tuesday, close, close, post-season, then uh, Wednesday, Wednesday, close-season, and then Thursday and Friday, pre-season. This is what this is. The, this is a snapshot. I, 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 you know, I didn't, I didn't study law. I, I, I can say safely, but uh, well, I did actually, but not very successfully. Um, and uh, uh, this is the kind of argument that I think you will see uh, between Barcelona and Messi. Who says we don't tackle the big issues? Yeah. Um, I think I think in England at the moment it's pre-season because they're playing pre-season right. games. Um, that's, but, you know, it's all very merged and mixed up, isn't it? Okay, well, we're we're seeking to bring clarity to people's lives here. So, I mean, I f- we've maybe moved that on a little bit, but let's get right into it because Dion has has brought up the great man himself, the um the greatest of all time, Leo Messi. Uh, his future shrouded in uncertainty, and I just got clickbaited, lads, just before I came on the show. I'm not even going to mention the publication, but the headline read: Ronaldo sends message to Leo Messi as Barca star weighs up his future. It's like, hold on a second, Jesus! Ronaldo and Messi together. This is exactly what we'd all hope for. It's it's the other Ronaldo, also a legend, but not Cristiano. Oh, uh, Brazilian oh. Ronaldo. I know, Dion. <sighs> I was I was absolutely crushed to read that, but uh, there you go. Sneaky clickbait. That it technically, is... technically, they haven't they haven't done it, but they have. You know, they have done it. Yeah. So, um, Ruben, Leo Messi, 
Where to for Leo Messi? Well, it looks like City, doesn't it? If if Barcelona, well, if he can worm his way out of Barcelona, um, apparently him and Pep have already been in talks. Um, City are looking to find the funds if they can't get him for free, maybe offering two players, Eric Garcia and Angelino, plus like 150 million euros in exchange for Messi, which... Um, I think that sounds like the most likely destination for him because it, it, you know, he's likely to win stuff while he's at City. Um, and given how little time he's got left, I'm not sure he would risk going somewhere like Inter Milan and you know finishing second and maybe not winning anything. Um, so you know, reunion with Pep, go for the Premier League, have another pop at the Champions League. Um, I think it, I think it works for everybody, even even Barcelona to an extent, who need a massive rebuild. And you know, as as great as as Messi is, you know, greatest of all time. Um, they things are going to get worse for Barca before they get better. So they'll fight to get a fee for him. Um, and you know that that could drag on, given the dispute around this clause in his contract. But um, I think City is the most likely destination, and I would. If if I was going to put money on it, I would bet that he leaves rather than that it all gets resolved and he stays because I think it's it's got too toxic this time and he doesn't have enough time left in his career to because uh, you know in the past he's kind of kicked up a fuss, got a new contract, got a new president, whatever, and then and then he's stuck around. But I, I don't think that happens this time. Dion, uh, maybe Ruben hasn't read about uh, Ed Woodward's intervention. Um, what are your <laughs> thoughts on everything that's going on for Leo Messi? Uh, I still I I accept everything Ruben says. I still wouldn't be shocked if he if he stayed at Barcelona. I know it, it's there seems to be too much of a of a frenzy now for it to um to to be resolved like that. But I think it it could still end up um with you know heads rolling. Uh, and now I I know Ruben says this is you know this is something that's happened before, and it does seem. Um, at this stage, and with the rebuilding that Barcelona need to do, um, that it, it has reached a point of no return. But nothing is um, nothing is impossible in football. I wonder about the Manchester City connection. I wonder from 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 Pep's point of view, in some ways, because if uh, what does he? What does his what what happens? Does he is it one of those things where it's just it's just it it doesn't make there's no reason at all not to do it? And maybe that is correct. You just say get the best player in the world, greatest player who's ever played the game, and sign him for Manchester City and see what happens. Or are you Pep Guardiola, wondering about your legacy, wondering about uh, how you will be perceived, and if Manchester City win the Champions League, say with Messi. Does Guardiola then have to answer again uh, the charge that he can't do it uh, without Messi? Um, and I think that now maybe that's something I, I would suggest that uh, you know a manager like Guardiola, or any manager would actually f- say, "Forget about that. I just want to win it." But um, I uh, I just wonder if that's something that would um, be a, be a consideration now. I think if he does leave Barcelona, I have this I have this feeling that if he does leave Barcelona, that it will be PSG. I think it will just be the uh, the option that allows him to challenge for the Champions League um, 
and also be uh, a 33-year-old player um, who can be at his best when it comes around to the knockout stages of the Champions League. I, and it would be, be very depressing if he ended up at PSG, but maybe not that much more depressing than if he ends up uh, at Manchester City, or maybe it doesn't matter where where you know it's it's um, like I, I'm I, it's probably gone beyond the stage where you can um, you know attach some sort of romantic dream to to where Messi is going to go next. I, I thought about PSG, but sorry to interrupt. Um, do you think like I know they have like a bottomless pit of money, but is there? Do you think the uh, kind of project Neymar aspect of PSG? And the amount of money that they already pay him and Mbappe could get in the way of that because there's they could obviously put Messi in the front line alongside those two, but given the reasons why Neymar left Barcelona, I, I mean, to, by all accounts, he then regretted it and wanted to go back. So maybe he would presumably be up for a reunion with Messi. But do you think that aspect of Neymar being the leader there might um, be an issue for? For PSG, with well, no, but I think you you can. There's a there's a story to tell about that too. You can say like, how else would Messi? Messi is only coming to PSG because he wants to be reunited with Neymar. So therefore, our figurehead Neymar is the is the is the man responsible for for uh, luring Messi to PSG. So I think that could be the uh, the um, the way the way that story gets told. Um, so I, I can I, I can see, and I actually think, is what you said, Ruben, I think it's probably, you know, that sense that Neymar might regret leaving Barcelona. Uh, I, I think he'd probably be excited at the idea of Messi coming, and I think you would be able to set it to him in terms of um, this, is a, this is a season you can, you can, you know, you can win the French League, uh, and then you can be, be ready and focused for... Uh, you know, winning the Champions League with the team uh, who currently are only the uh, the second biggest bottlers in Europe after your old club. Naz, come on. I know you've got thoughts here. You're being quiet. But, um, I mean, I think Dion's point about how depressing it might be to have him at Manchester City, this is something that all fans of a Premier League club are grappling with, other than Man City fans. The idea that one, he would be very good at Man City, obviously, he's the greatest of all time. And two, that Man City would have Messi. Yeah. Um, as a United fan, as a blinkered United fan, like where what are your thoughts right now? Because obviously Manchester United have a role to play here as well. Um, I mean it's it looks increasingly like that he'll go to City. So uh I mean I mean from his point of view, if if you were choosing where to go, um I can if if money if money was if the money was equal everywhere, the, the three places that I think it would be sensible to consider would be Paris Saint Germain, Chelsea, and City. Uh, Paris Saint Germain and Chelsea just because they've got a a basis of of good players, um, and 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 obviously with the they are they, they can already challenge for uh, major honors, and uh, with the addition of of uh, Messi, that sort of uh, that increases obviously. Um, and also, both of those places are lovely places to live. Like, I'm sure he'd love to live in London. I'm sure he'd love to live in um, in Paris. Uh, but uh, in every way, I can't. I, I can't for for him. I can't see a downside to go for going for Sitter. Like, like everything makes sense. 
and 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 that's why that's why I agree with Ruben that I don't think it's bluffing. There's been a lot of people saying that this is a a power move. As soon as uh, the president is ousted, he'll 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 sort of like have more power and will be happy to be part of the Barcelona project or whatever you want to call it. But for for me, Sitter, he's he he he's he's got he's got Pep Guardiola and other people from the Barcelona sort of glory days within the club. He it's a club with an amazing infrastructure. Money is no object. They've they've killed uh, uh, financial fair play. They've got all this money. They've they, they they've even got the if he's looking at sort of his brand and his sort of uh, the scope of what he can do beyond football after he retires. They've got the entire sort of uh, worldwide infrastructure of clubs, and particularly they've got this. Um, They've got this uh, presence in America, which is huge, would, which would obviously be huge for him, and and that would be the big front frontier that he uh, looks to sort of uh, scale. Sort of now he's sort of like uh, taking over the whole world. Like everything about it makes so much sense, and 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 obviously City can very easily, and with Messi, very likely win the domestic title and uh, and the Champions League. So, it, it, from his from his point of view. Why wouldn't you go there? Why why would you even stay at Barcelona? The only well, one of the major things why I can assume that he'd stay at Barcelona is just because he lo- he likes living there. Maybe maybe he's got like maybe he enjoys um, the lifestyle there and and his house there and his and his um his his whole sort of like setup there. But you can you can to some extent you can still have that and play for Sitter. You can still sort of spend a lot of time there. And play for City, and City will definitely accommodate anything he wants to do in terms of like flying over as, as often as he wants. And in in a, in a funny way, as 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 well as still being the best player in the world, and and sort of being the kind of player who even even as he gets older will just sort of slowly morph into like a, more of a deep line playmaker or whatever, and be the best in the world at that. For City, it's almost as important to get him for non-football reasons as well, because even even all this talk uh, since they've been strongly linked to him, all this has been publicity that they, I mean, they could pay for, but um, it's 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 just massive free publicity, and and this is this is this is the next level with Sitter. It was um, when the money came in, suddenly people people were sort of talking about Man City. Suddenly, all these foreign players. Who would talk about Man? When they were talking about Manchester United, they would talk about Manchester. They they wouldn't say Manchester United. They would say, "Oh, uh, I'm a big fan of Manchester or like uh, Skulls of Manchester and all this business." But 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 then then you had a, a step change when they got the money in and they were buying players, and suddenly um, they got players like Robinho. Then you had the next step change of of Pep Guardiola. As soon as Pep Guardiola came, that was a massive step change for them because suddenly people were taking him far more seriously. And it was almost like the the city brand and the uh, and the Guardiola brand um, sort of like forged together to create something bigger. And this will be this will be the sort of final frontier to get Messi in there as well. That'll be that'll be city cemented as as a brand as a name in people's heads of like just this stellar club. But do you think like the one thing that uh, like everyone that just makes this assumption oh pep and messi have this great connection like ruben do you what do you feel about the relationship that there is there between messi and guardiola because it seems to me it, it, it's one of these things that 
gets assumed assumed so often that and yet there there are there are little there are bits of evidence that suggest that you know it's not necessarily uh the relationship that everyone just assumes because i think you know Guardiola was at Barcelona had the best time of his career as a manager there with Messi um and beyond that too then whether Guardiola would actually feel apart from what it might do in terms of his reputation whether he feels uh, a Messi who he last worked with eight years ago is the same player who can like how how much would would Guardiola be altering how Manchester City play for Messi? Yeah, this is something that I've I've thought about. Like where where would he fit in? It sounds like a ridiculous question, but um, it's not because you you look at why Barcelona were so bad against Bayern Munich, and it's basically a collective lack of intensity. Um, because like the individual players out there aren't terrible individually, but they're they're all just too leggy now and like can't move. And Messi is one of those who's always maybe not under Guardiola when he was really young and they they sort of they counter pressed um, better than anyone. But sort of in more recent years, he's basically been al- allowed not like to just not bother tracking back. And Pep doesn't really have a place for that in his team. Um, so while there's obviously a massive mutual respect between the two of them, um, I wonder how he would fit him in. Um, I mean, does, does that not actually are Manchester City maybe not better suited then to for Messi than than Barcelona because you will have players who will run for him like Barcelona. Yeah, yeah, definitely seems to have been that they've you know got let everyone else not run too. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely because um, the rest of City's team is pretty young. So, I mean, even if if you played Messi as like a false nine and you have like I don't know Jesus and Sterling either side of him, then they they can do the majority of that kind of running and then. You know, De Bruyne and Walker down the right are you know quick enough and and intense enough to to do that. So he could definitely get away with it more at City than he does at Barcelona. I I personally would love to see Messi start on the right for City and have him cut inside and De Bruyne overlap around him. Um, I think that would be an absolutely deadly combination. So there's definitely a place for him in the team. There's players to do his running if if Pep can workout system pep is probably as we speak drawing up lots of different diagrams trying to work out how how he can fit messi in a team without asking him to run like that scene in it's always sunny in philadelphia where charlie has the massive board up and he's been up all night um i i think uh yeah it, it would definitely work um it, you think if i'm i'm surprised um by noz's suggestion that chelsea would be good for him because they have got a lot of good attacking players but um They've got Frank Lampard as their manager and uh, not a great defence. Or like or they have signed Chilwell and they're going to get Thiago Silva, but um, I, they're they're kind of a work in progress as well. So um, yeah, I wonder what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, I I I, I don't see Chelsea. I could see somewhere like Inter more likely than uh, more of a possibility than than Chelsea. Um, and I think uh, I think you know surprisingly, Nas is falling into the sort of the Anglo centric. Uh, trap around Frank Lampard, and uh, you know uh, he has joined the uh, Nods. You've joined the chorus of uh, of Frank Lampard supporters. Um, <laughs> I think you need to wind your neck in. <laughs> I didn't expect this from you. I really did. I thought I, I thought I knew you. You have a few good podcasts, and you and you think you're a big one. <laughs> I would say I think the problem with Barcelona, I think, and this is this is a terrible analogy, but I'm going to make it uh, anyway. It's that uh, it, it's like the British government, you know, 
It's like you if you have a very, very lazy figurehead uh, as your prime minister, and then that person would be, say, Boris Johnson, the last thing you want then is to stack the, the people around him with also lazy, uh, pretty, pretty Patel type figures uh, and have lots of people who don't do any, who, who don't really have the application or dedication or, or you know, attention to detail that, that is required. And I think that's what's happened with Barcelona. You know, I, I'm not like the, the, the big flaw in this analogy, of course, is that Messi is the greatest player of all time and Boris Johnson isn't. Um, but but equally, like you 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 try you try and offset the the weaknesses of uh, your most important your most important uh, the most important person in your team. And I've kind of done a Michael Gove on this. It's like a kind of you know I've I feel like I've done you know we go up the other end and slot one slot one in the net. Um, the, fun, yeah. the, 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 the funny thing with you, Dion, is it's like I, I know you and I, I and I know your politics are spot on, but you keep on outing yourself for some kind of Tory on this podcast, <laughs> and you're not, you're not at all. But you, you 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 keep on making Tory arguments. How have I made a Tory? I wasn't a Tory. I was yeah. I was trying not to. I wasn't trying to compare. <laughs> but yeah. Oh God, that I'm finished. I've 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 got a question. Um, and it's related to me saying Chelsea because because part of the reason why I said Chelsea was because of um, also living in London and like how I mean I know I'm aware that none of us are footballers but if we were superstar footballers like a lot of the time <laughs> a lot of, there's still time for you a, a, a lot a lot of uh, superstar footballers like they they get uh, lambasted if they're looking at if they're looking at things outside of football in making their decisions, if they're looking at, looking at family issues about where their partner might want to live um, and, and also where, where they want to live. Um, whereas football fans, I think feel that they should think purely about football. Like I, if, if it was in my control, I would definitely move to a lovely city. If, if that was an option, like, like when, when Mika Richards went to Florence, like Fiorentino, I just thought, that's amazing. Just, just to live, in a place like that for a while like i definitely think it should be a major sort of a uh, uh factor in your thought process like i can't i can't understand all these really talented english players sort of towards the later the later years like go and play somewhere nice and sunny yeah i i think that's a it's worth considering definitely as as a footballer as many of them do but uh like that's why you know sometimes arsenal and chelsea might might get a player ahead of um, a club in the northwest because London is much nicer. But um, Lionel Messi has apparently apparently there's there's an offer that is being prepared for where Leo, where Messi will play for City for three years and then move to New York City FC, obviously both City Group clubs for for the last two of like a five year contract. So that could be tempting in a similar way. Well, you uh, see, what, that's what, if if Messi is like that's. You you kind of when people talk about that, it's like Messi is a kind of uh, a footballer who needs a five year plan. Like Messi can go and play in New York. He can play for anyone now, and still go and play in New York or wherever in three years' time. He doesn't yeah, yeah, need yeah. Manchester City to come along and say it's all right. It's all right. We can, yeah, we can get you into. We yeah. can get you into the, into into America after this. It's like you're yeah. you're all right, mate. Right, I can but, do that but, myself. I mean, yeah, that's true. I mean, my. Another point, though, to to consider is that he is still really he's still too good to play in like MLS um, 
and I think he's he's still got like the the reason Barcelona's a lovely place to live, but the reason that he wants to leave now is is for competitive reasons. So I think that's still his top priority, and then maybe he'll end up at into Miami or something. Well, I think it would be disappointing. Like I, you know, I agree with Nas. You would like to see uh, players who, you know, English players go abroad and maybe play somewhere nice, or actually just go abroad in general. Um, but equally, then I don't think uh, I don't think you know it would be disappointing if Messi's uh, decision was made um, based on where he wanted to live. But it's again, it's probably understandable. Like you could see his family thinking we'd rather move to Paris or Milan rather than Manchester. Like that would be you can you can see that conversation being being part of it. Um, and it is interesting, although it is getting very much into. Uh, uh, flight radar territory, but I did read that Messi's father has bought a house in Milan, uh, and uh, you know, again, this is a bit like you know when Zidane was supposed to be have been seen checking out schools on Merseyside, but um, but I do think it's uh, it's um, it is interesting if that's the case that there's you know I I still think that could be a, that could be a destination for him. Um, yeah, I mean, the, it, at Inter, he would he just played behind. Lukaku wouldn't he and just thread in balls I think like that that's got great potential to to be a great I'll grow up um I think that's got a good that's got a great potential and he'd, he'd have like a nice solid defensive base behind him so in theory it could work and you know they came pretty close to winning Syria he'd be in the same league as Ronaldo so there are some things to point towards into being a, a possibility definitely I think I think another thing to consider is the media um and and, and as much as we sort of like cannot stand sections of the media in this country for good reason. Um, the, 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 the feeling I get when footballers speak is that is that um, footballers are left alone far more in this country um, as compared to Italy and Spain. So that might have a factor as well. His former representative, Josep Maria Minguela, has been speaking as well, and he says it's Inter. Um, they pay less taxes in Italy, and he'll be in the same league as Ronaldo. He does also mention that his great friend Sergio Aguero and Guardiola are at Man City. We haven't mentioned Aguero, but again, there is there's a, there's another draw there to City. Yeah, there is there is some amazing tax loophole in Italy now that where all earnings outside the country over a hundred grand are taxed at uh, some tiny rate. So, uh, um, who knows what would attract uh, Lionel Messi and his father to uh, to Italy? Okay, well, watch this space. This is important news, but I also feel like we need to move on to other important news. And this weird serendipity that has developed between Leo Messi and Matt Letizia. Letizia's quote, it's time to look forward to life's next challenge, just like Leo Messi, albeit Matt Letizia, Phil Thompson and Charlie Nicholas, all sacked by Sky Sports uh, yesterday. Um, So this obviously has opened up quite a number of conversations about why they've been sacked. Lots of conspiracy theories, which Matt Letizia is not unaccustomed to. And obviously a lot of conversation about what comes next and who Sky Sports will replace these uh, three pundits with. They were most famous for their work on Soccer Saturday alongside um, Paul Merson, who remains on at Sky Sports. Naz, what are your thoughts? Um... I mean, the the thing is, it was it was a it was it had become a bit of a tired format now. I think um, as, as 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 much as as much as like it's it's absolutely fine if people enjoyed it and it's absolutely fine if people are used to it and 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 uh, people got a lot of joy from it. Like that's cool. Like like that's absolutely fair enough. But 
as as with other formats, like things need freshening up. Um, and even even if you love them, after like six years or whatever, um, it's probably time for a change. And um, even 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 their qualification of being ex footballers, after a certain point, they they have been ex footballers for so long that that qualification does not make them as qualified to talk about current football because it's changed so much. So it makes sense to get younger people in who have got a better link to what's happening now. Um, the, th- the thing that I found that I find uh, mad about it is how, is how a lot of white people have made it into an issue about race and, and, and sort of, it's a, it, it mirrors the rule Britannia thing a little bit where where it, it it feels like an invention the whole debate feels like an invention uh to criticize um minorities or non-white people for for, for sort of trying to take over or or trying to sort of like uh make it into a race thing when they're not it's 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 there's lots of white people out there that are saying that are basically hypothesizing that this is the end of some kind of um, Caucasian reign on TV, and suddenly, like the the black people and uh, and uh, and and the women are coming and, to, and 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 taking our jobs on Soccer Saturday. It, it's so ridiculous. And and Ian Ian Wright sort of spoke really well in 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 his video where he's basically basically saying, "Why are you suddenly having a go at like like Mika Richards and 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 Alex Scott and people like that?" Like. Literally, the news come out. Sky have have made a decision. It impacts the it impacts Phil Thompson, uh, Charlie, Charlie Nicholas, and Matt Lassie. So, um, those are the people that are affected, and those people have come out and said their blurb about how great it was to work for so long, and and thank you and everything. And then you've got the likes of Alex Scott and Mika Richards, who who are at home, sort of pottering about, having a cup of tea, or whatever. Suddenly, through no fault of their own. They are being criticised for something that's not their choice and has got nothing to do with them, and 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 people are being racist. The worst people are being racist towards them, and they've they've done they've done fuck all. Like they've literally just been sort of like, uh, like outside observers to what's happening, and and suddenly they're getting criticism because what people have done is is seen. Oh, three three white blokes of a certain age. Have 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 been have, have have been removed from this opportunity, and they will have lots of other opportunities. By the way, they're definitely going to fucking uh, appear on be in and be in and stuff like like in all these channels. So they will have other opportunities. Don't worry about them. Like, but 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 these these people have been moved on by Sky, and people have made the assumption that oh, these three these three um, white blokes of a certain age have left, and suddenly they're going to be replaced by by like every minority going and and somehow my life is threatened by that somehow my life is lessened by the the, the hypothetical possibility of people who are old white men sort of taking those jobs and and therefore what I will do is I will I will hypothesize further and assume the people that are going to take over and based on that hypothesis that's totally made up in my head I'm going to start attacking those people. It's it's so depressing and so so ludicrous. Yeah, I think I think some of those uh, uh, attacks may have come from people who maybe uh, were 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 drawn were 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 drawn to uh, uh, Matt Letizia's work, not due to his 
uh, you know his long time appearances on on uh, on Saturday, but from his his more recent uh, uh, social media um, presence and you know his uh, his his position on things like you know coronavirus, um, and I, you know I think uh, they may they may have uh, they that that army might have been summoned summoned by that and. Um, uh, Charlie Nicholas and Phil Thompson probably get caught in the uh, in the in the crossfire to a degree, um, but I agree with Nas. Like it is, it is uh, a race. I also like the tweet somebody had yesterday that it's worrying to think of uh, what Matt Letizia can do now with more time on his hands. Um, but uh, <clears throat> um, it is it is uh, that that phony sense of people feeling under threat. Um, in culture wars, in in these things that rise up, and and they're stoked. Then they are they are then stoked, like the Rule Britannia one, where Boris Johnson appears to take a stand on on Rule Britannia, having been been absent for you know important things like A level results and and actual things that you might expect a prime minister to be doing, um, uh, and it becomes. He probably maybe he will also you know take a position on 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 the sacking of Matt Letizia and 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 Phil Thompson and Charlie Nicholas. Uh, so it's um it is a it is a ridiculous thing. It's um and I think Ian Wright as as Nas said did capture it perfectly. Well, that's actually here for me, Ian Wright. Whoa, I've had to pull the car over. The racism is going through the roof today. Can somebody just answer me this? What does Micah Richards, Alex Scott, Sol Campbell, Clinton Morrison, or any other black pundit have to do with Sky's decision to get rid of these guys? All because, what, three middle-aged white guys have got the sack. I kiss my teeth. Say rascal and all that sort of stuff. What have they done? What have these guys done? Because a black person or a woman might get the opportunity to do this job? They might get a chance to to do this show. Why are people upset? Alex Scott, for me, is easily one of the best prepared pundits out there. Easily. Michael Richards, the most exciting pundit to hit the scene in years. Keep their names out of your stinking unbrushed mouths, unbrushed teeth mouths. These guys, Matt Letizier, um, Charlie Nicholas, Phil Thompson have had an unbelievable run. It's been a great show. This happens to everybody in the industry. This is Sky's decision to evolve the show. And you know what? I wish them all the very best. Yes, you can be disappointed that it's come to an end for those guys, but they've done brilliantly. But why does it have to be racially driven? What's it got to do with Black Lives Matter or the fact that black people may get an opportunity to get those jobs? What? Uh, that's uh, Ian Wright speaking there. Pulled over to the side of the road and uh, tweeted out that video. Um, Ruben, uh, Mike Richards also tweeted last late last night, and he mentioned um, that he was trending on Twitter. Uh, he talks about the underlying insinuation of tweets that immediately link mine and Alex Scott's names makes for some uncomfortable truths, and it does. It doesn't. It really does make for some uncomfortable truths, and where football and I suppose English culture is right now. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh it's very telling um of how a large group of people uh over here think that despite there being no announcement as to who might replace these guys on Soccer Saturday, 
um it's michael richards and alex scott that suddenly get a load of abuse on twitter um because this mystical pc brigade have have uh, appointed them before anything's even been confirmed um but yeah i mean people are just looking for an excuse to to you know shout a lot of racist opinions basically um and you know alex scott and michael richards are would be um very worthy candidates for, for for that job um but neither of them have been on the show i'm not sure they'll get it um clinton morrison's been on the show done very well offers something different um so yeah i mean it's just it's depressingly predictable as well really yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't limit it to english culture i think this is this is yeah. a show that's taking place uh in england so it brings out people from there but in ireland we've seen uh and everywhere around the world in ireland we've seen you know so many examples of of naked racism um uh and i would say i've heard worse racism on the streets of ireland uh, living here than i ever heard living in britain um and I would say Ireland can't point the finger at anyone in terms of racism in every sense. I think we are an insular, deeply racist country with no appreciation or very little appreciation of how racist we are. Can I, can I just can I just add something about this whole debate? Like, in terms of Soccer Saturday, um, and no disrespect to it, it's like it's a great format, and 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 it also happens to have one of the best presenters that's on TV, like incredible. However, like when's the last time you saw Gary Neville on it, or when's the last time you saw Jamie Carragher or Graham Souness? Now, presumably, presumably the reason why those people are on it is because they are Sky's prime time sort of uh, names. And they they they're saved for like live games and like like important sort of uh, fixtures, and and Soccer Saturday requires people who are available every week and are happy enough to spend like like three hours or how, however long they need to be in the studio um, of 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 like a, a Saturday just to chat about what's happening and look at their monitors and and explain what's happening to to, to the viewer, like. In terms of Alex Scott and uh, Mika Richards and people like that, they they're already in the prime time slots. What ma- what makes people think that they necessarily want those jobs? What ma- what makes people think think that they necessarily want to want to appear on Soccer Saturday? Like 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 it, it, it could even be seen as it's below where they are now. So this idea that oh they want to take the jobs, maybe they don't want the fucking jobs because they they're better than it. It's a very good point. They're 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 part of the more analytical um, yeah. uh, kind of group of pundits. Well, I, I, yeah, and I think you identified it there as well. Like the secret of of Soccer Saturday is Jeff Stelling, and it's interesting that Paul Merson uh, isn't part of this as well because Merson has actually shown a kind of you know I know he gets he gets mocked an awful lot, but he's actually shown a kind of flexibility, and uh, I know that's still his slot, but he 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 does. Uh, he has a kind of worldview that is a bit more that is is kind of interesting and nuanced. And uh, even though he gets he, he does as they get mocked an awful lot, but I think Jeff Stelling is the the centerpiece of, of Soccer Saturday and knitting everything together. And the people co- who come in work around him. Hmm. I I actually like Paul Merson. Like like I think 
And I think uh, I get the sense you do too, Dion, in that like, as as well, like th- this seems to be like a a genuineness to him. And also like, I think he's in on the joke. I, th- yeah. I think I think he's self-aware and, and that's always appealing in, any, in anyone. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Okay. Um, well, let's move on. We have some Nations League squads to discuss. You're really selling um, it, Paddy. <laughs> I know. I was like, how do I make this sexier than it is? Okay. Um, well, let's start with the England squad because obviously that was a big, it feels like a long time ago that the England squad was announced. And Harry Maguire's name was initially in the squad, and then Harry Maguire was withdrawn from the squad, and 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 how Gareth Southgate has had to deal with that this week has really, I mean, it's it's overshadowed a lot of the. We will talk about the squad in a moment, but let's start with that, Dion, because that has been the big talking point, really, and the biggest thing that Gareth Southgate has had to deal with, and the very fact that he has had to deal with that, and he's had to initially name him in the squad and then withdraw him, that has raised a lot of question marks about Harry Maguire's future with England. Harry Maguire has other question marks to answer about his future generally and what, what comes next for him. But as regards the England squad, it has been a bit messy this week, hasn't it? Yeah, it was. And the, and the timing of it wasn't wasn't great. Uh, and um, probably Southgate had no option but to do what he did. And it is a, it's a messy story, um, which is going to kind of run and run and probably... Uh, you know, Harry Maguire has now got this, he has got his appeal, which will probably take a couple of years to be heard. And, you know, there may be an inevitable, uh, you know, proverbial small kind of clarification and correction on page 72 when he may be, he may, if he ends up finally being cleared. But it's it's a, a, a messy story uh, and a kind of overshadowed well like you know a squad announcement i don't know how exciting it is but it, it certainly got in the way of of the squad announcement and seemed to uh be more important than it let's leave harry Maguire aside for a moment because there are other uh, aspects more um would say relating to the playing and to the, the team itself i suppose the biggest one is a lot of eyebrows raised by the fact that jack Grealish doesn't make this squad and that a lot of other players that may be we're behind the pecking. We're behind Grealish in pecking order, especially for Aston Villa fans. Uh, we look at in terms of an attacking sense. You got Mason Mount in there. You got Phil Foden in there. James Madison isn't in there, but he has a cap under South- Gareth Southgate, which Jack Grealish doesn't have. And then the other midfielders, which you might argue are more defensively aligned, but Harry Winks, uh, James Ward-Prowse, and Calvin Phillips of Leeds United. Ruben, what are your thoughts on the fact that Grealish can't get a game under Gareth Southgate? Uh, it's very disappointing um, for me uh, because, see, Southgate has given his reasons um, uh, and they are that he sees Grealish as an attacker. Uh, he's played on the left wing a lot for Villa and that, therefore, he's behind the likes of Sancho and Greenwood um, on the wings. But um, I don't see why Grealish can't be selected as an attacking number eight in the way that Mount and Madison have been. Um, I think especially against smaller teams, he would thrive in that sort of more attacking role in the in the midfield three, playing as like left-sided number eight, driving forward, winning free kicks. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like personally, I would definitely have him in there in a different position. Um, Southgate doesn't doesn't think he can play there, which, um, yeah, I disagree with. So it's it's unfortunate for him. So I, I wonder what Grealish is going to have to do now, whether he has to 
play as an eight for Villa to get into the England team or, you know, I mean, it, I don't know, like Ward-Prowse. Well, and... it's it's interesting because there was a lot of feeling that if he didn't get into this squad, well, that was the thing. He was gone to United because it was a clear sign he's never going to get picked for England because he plays at Aston Villa. It's it's not a club thing though, is it? It's not because look at Southampton, Leeds, you know, these oh, are the so teams. Tyro that... Mings is in the squad. So, exactly. and, and like, and he's the, speaking of which, where are the left backs, Gareth? Like, we've got one left-footed defender in the whole squad and it's Tyro Mings, who's a centre-back. If he's going to play at left-back while Bukayo Saka chills at home, I, I, I don't understand that either. But yeah, there's plenty of players from, from smaller clubs um, in there, you know. Um, so it's not a club thing. It's just this weird positional fixation. But like Southgate's played Deli Ali and Jesse Lingard as as number eights at the World Cup, which was okay up up to a point. Um, so yeah, it's 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 weird and, and annoying. Um, but I mean, he he's got his reasons, I suppose. Um, Calvin Phillips, I think some people might be surprised by, but I, I don't think it's that much of, a, of an outrageous decision because, I mean, by all accounts, Dyer will move back into defence. Um, as like a backup centre back. Um, I know we've got like Henderson, Winks, and Rice, but um, Phillips is a very good player. Um, a bit more adventurous with his passing than say Winks or 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 Henderson, and um, he could have been called up to play for Jamaica. So I guess it's one of those where give him a competitive cap now and time down to to the England. Um, that's what Ireland tried to do with Grealish. We never quite got there, but we would at this stage, Nas. We would we take him back. I mean, like the rules don't allow, but rules, as Dion has pointed out in recent pods, are there. They're there to change. They're there to be um, broken. They're there. Sorry, broken. There you go. <laughs> as every politician uh, in Ireland and the UK has demonstrated. I mean, I mean, as previously commented, like, like I'm, I'm a big Grealish fan. Like I, I, I think he's great. I think he's really versatile. I think he can do various things, and I think people focus too much on him winning these free kicks when, in fact, he's he's he he's not. A, I don't think he's a very English footballer. Just 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 in the way he plays and just the way he carries the ball and protects the ball and uses his body. Um, I think he's he's pretty unique in that. Um, I've, I I know that. Uh, I I once I once asked on sort of Twitter sort of uh, I asked about him uh, and 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 Villa fans were basically um, a few of them were comparing him to Rui Costa, which is probably a bit of a leap, but I can see I can see where they're coming from. So I just can't get it. I think like forget United. I think I think if Grealish wants to get in the England squad, he obviously needs to move to Tottenham because how Eric Dyer and Harry Winks are in there, I'm not quite sure. Um, those are two kinds of players where I think. I obviously don't know enough about football because because if they're rated by a number of managers and and the England manager as well, they must they must have something to their game that I can't quite see. Winks, um, Winks has performed under Southgate in in big games. Um, to be fair, I mean we do have a, a couple of other holding mids in the squad. So this, if you were going to exclude Winks, this would have been the one to do. I mean, what are carriers? Oh, oh, oh yeah. okay, 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 Ruben. But, 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 like genuinely, like, like I'm not saying Winks is a bad player, but yeah. I, 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 maybe I've not seen enough of him. Like, can you explain to me, like, what he does? Yeah, I mean, he he collects the ball from deep and he passes it forwards. Sometimes he passes it sideways. I think he was probably better under Poch than he has been under Mourinho because the team 
moved uh, a bit more uh, creatively going forward. But um, he's he's just he's basically like a safe pair of hands, isn't he? A safe yeah. pair. Of so, 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 so it's like it's like good with good with, good with possession keeps things ticking over. It, what what he is good at though is he's got a little burst of acceleration that he can break out of tight spaces um, with. So like when we when we beat Spain in Seville and we we, we won three two but we were like three 0 up at half time. He played um, in a midfield three on the right side and and he was really good in that game. So I think it's just one of those things where the manager trusts him because um, he's done well from before. And with Dyer, I think. I wouldn't pick Dyer in midfield anymore, but I don't think he has been picked in midfield. I think he's now he's now a centre back and might even get a start with with Maguire um, being removed from the squad, and that's where he's been playing under Jose. Like I, I know Poch used him as as a midfielder, but now Dyer is definitely a defender, and I don't have too many qualms with that either. I know people are saying like they want Lewis Dunk or Tarkovsky in the squad, but um, no, thank you. Is, 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 is if you look at the England squad and you're looking for a weakness, do you think centre back might be it? Yeah, um, I think Joe Gomez is a very, very good player, probably our best defender. Um, but definitely on the left side of defence, because we've got Trent and Gomez, great. Um, but on the left side of defence, with especially without Maguire or Chilwell, then it's now it's looking like Mings and Dyer or something, which. So the left side of defence in this squad is definitely the weakness. The, the strength is obviously the front line. All right, lads, you've had your fun now. Um, I think it's fair to say Dion and I have been champing at the bit to talk <laughs> about the Irish squad. So um, look, take a, take a moment, all right? We'll 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 require your imperial validation once we're finished talking about Irish football. So we'll get your point of view. But let's get right in there, Dion. Stephen Kenny's first squad, mm-hmm. which there's been obviously a lot of anticipation around. Um, a new dawn for Irish football. Stephen Kenny was the manager of the Irish under-21s. A very successful um, reign. Played great football. like Performed very well uh, under Stephen Kenny. And um, still a very good chance of qualifying for a major tournament with... He's now left, obviously, the part of the senior team. And that's, that whole tournament's been abridged as... So much football has. Now, the first thing about Stephen Kenny's squad is previous regimes, Martin O'Neill, named provisional squads. 40 people, none of that. 23-man squad. So there are, as always, with 23-man squad, there are people that are left out. We'll start with those. Glenn Whelan doesn't make this squad. Nas and Ruben, please, don't be too surprised. I can hear your gasps of shock and awe from far. Glenn Whelan isn't in this squad. Um, they're, but also, they're sitting there thinking, my God, how much talent <laughs> does this country have? <laughs> I can't believe it. They've discarded Glenn Whelan. I mean, I mean, like, like, I think of Glenn Whelan as like, as, as like this, just, just this comfy chair in the corner that, that sort of, once it's gone, you kind of think, what's happened? What's, what, what, what's that? It's, it's, it's almost like a part of your childhood that, that, that sort of they, that your parents sort of get rid of to like make, for, make room for the old pair or something. Some, like, what the something going used on? to be there, but what was yeah. it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did perform quite well laterally um, in recent times with Mick McCarthy, but he hasn't met his 35-year-old Dan Whelan, doesn't make the squad. But neither does Michael Obafemi. And this is probably the big talking point. And Dion, every manager for the Republic of Ireland has had a cause celebre, a player that the fans would call for and say, why isn't he in the squad? He should be there. Um, this time, it's the player himself that's asking that question because Michael Obafemi, Southampton striker, 
A young Irish striker scored, I think, four goals for Southampton in the Premier League so far. So he's an Irish striker that has scored goals in the Premier League. There are not um, a vast amount of those. Um, he himself tweeted straight after the Kenny announcement, one word, interesting, um, with a typo, but that's okay. And a little emoji face with the uh, chin-stroking emoji. Hmm, wonderment. So a lot of people have been making something of this that Michael Obafemi's nose is out of joint. And he has... He's made a public as well. Now, Stephen Kenny says there's a huge future for Michael Obafemi at Ireland. But, uh, <laughs> Dion, where, where do you come in on all this? Well, the first thing he tweeted was actually disgrace. And then he deleted that mm. or replaced it with interesting. Um, and <laughs> there's no point in being coy after you've been, yeah. been really blunt. <laughs> yeah, disgrace. I mean, interesting. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's... Um, well, it, it's a tough one because, um, and I, well, I think it's kind of an illustration of what a manager can do uh, when he is when he has got authority, um, and what uh, the because you know if Obafemi is one player left out of the squad, Jack Byrne, who now plays for Shamrock Rovers, another player who's left out of the squad after having done you know pretty well in Ireland squads. Uh, um, uh, previously, and also been seen as a kind of a symbol of uh, there being, or, you know, a sign that there is a connection between the League of Ireland and international football. Now, and that's th- that one again. They're both players who you would look at and think they should be in the Ireland squad. Um, but Stephen Kenny is a manager who has got kind of ideas about football and how he wants to play it, and very clear ideas um, about what he wants to do, which are exciting. And which are, um, you would say, about which are immeasurably different from the the, the footballing views of Martin O'Neill and Mick McCarthy, um, which perhaps allows him, in the Obafemi case, to make decisions um, that seem to be kind of almost counterintuitive. Because you think, right, here's a very exciting young player who should be playing for Ireland, but yet this exciting young manager isn't picking him. But then because you believe in what the exciting young manager is going to do, um, you feel that it's okay because there is a footballing philosophy at the heart of it. And it's the same with Jack Byrne to a degree. First of all, Stephen Kenny, and this isn't why Jack Byrne is in the squad, but that sense of comfort that the you know, League of Ireland uh, people got from seeing Jack Byrne in a squad. Uh, Stephen Kenny doesn't need to it doesn't need to comfort league of ireland people about his intentions or surrounding the league of ireland because he is one of them uh and he doesn't uh, um need to do anything that says i believe in the league of ireland because i think people feel that he will he will promote players from there if they're if they fit into what he wants them to do um and Again, it then comes down to something like, well, Jack Byrne is in, isn't in this squad because uh, Kenny has an idea of how he wants the team to play. And right now, maybe Jack Byrne doesn't um, belong in it. Now, again, I always think Jack Byrne has a, a role to play in international football because of the uh, way he sees a pass and the way he, uh, the way he can you know, change the direction of play and things like that, which I think are... Are, are really really important assets in international football. But again, Kenny is in a very strong position right now 
Um, and and that's what he's done. Now, I also think I think one of the reasons it's great that we don't have these bloated forty persons, forty man squads. But uh, one of the reasons for that, I think, is because uh, of of coronavirus. That you know, squads are more limited. You know, things aren't going to be. It's going to be everything's pretty streamlined. Streamlined, so it's not going to be the case. But I, I think again, this is a manager who has a very clear idea of what he wants to do, knows all the players that he wants to use, has worked with these players. Um, and even in the under-21s, we've seen how he can get teams to play. So right now, uh, they may go on to become called celebs, but I don't think... Uh, and this is the difference, again, say if you go back to some of the previous called celebs, like Trapattoni with, with Andy Reid, um, you had, again, a manager who very clearly knew how he wanted to play, but because that style of play was so rudimentary and attritional, uh, it was easy to look at it and say, well, we're denying ourselves a little bit of joy and a little bit of um, self-expression here by you know, uh, ignoring somebody like Andy Reid. Stephen Kenny's approach to international football and to the Ireland job will be will be substantially different to that. And right now, it's it's that's the stuff to get excited about. Even though it, it's it's very harsh on Jack Byrne, it's very hard harsh on Obafemi. Um, it is it is very harsh on them, but we'll we'll see. And I'm just in the cause celebrity thing. I mean, definitely not yet for Obafemi, but you wonder if this first interaction his being dropped and then obviously his having something to say about it would be something that Stephen Kenny will get over quickly. Um, like any manager would think, well, maybe you're better off not speaking about that publicly. Although I think the honest, I think I don't think Stephen Kenny rang Obafemi before or like spoke to him before the squad announcement. So that was his first, that was how we got the news essentially through Twitter or however he would receive that news. Anything to add there, chaps, before we, we wrap up? Are you excited by Ireland Bulgaria? As as excited as we are. I'm I'm excited by all international football. I'm one Thanks, the, Ruben. I'm one of the, the small minority that actually like an international break. Your thanks, Ruben. Um, we'll take that. We love a little bit of uh, you know, I know you're not specifically talking about Ireland there, but we'll interpret that. <laughs> you're definitely you're looking forward to Ireland Bulgaria. And yeah, yeah, yeah. You're welcome. Once it's safe to do so, you're welcome in Ireland anytime. Thank you very but much. Just yeah. not, not there. <laughs> <laughs> Well, if you can spare a two-week quarantine, you're very welcome. All right, lads. Well, we'll leave it there. Um, we're obviously, uh, you know, tingling with anticipation ahead of the Nations League, the Community Shield. Thank you very much to Dion, to Nas and to Ruben. Thanks very much to yourselves as well for, as ever, listening. If you haven't already done so, click subscribe and you'll never miss a show. We'll be back on the Football Spin soon. Good luck. I think it would lift the spirits of the nation. I don't give a fuck about the nation of Morocco. People's lives are at risk. Oli Gunnar, where would you like the statue? <laughs> it's an absolute disgrace. I refuse to answer that question. We'll take it as a yes then. Take it whatever you want. I don't understand that politics, coronavirus. Why me? I wear a base cap and uh, I have a bad shave.